Good evening. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, and you are listening to Teen Money Matters. We are your hosts, Sonica and Jared Dekotari. Teens have enough to think about with growing up, such as societal pressures from peers, parents, family, and more. So how can young people set themselves up for financial success? This program will explore ways to save, budget, and understand the importance of managing money for the future, including interviews with fellow teens and insight from local experts in the financial world. Tonight, we feature Demi Olatilo, a recent graduate from Parkland High School and an incoming freshman at the University of Pennsylvania. Hello, Demi. Welcome to the show. And before we get started, could you please just tell us a little bit more about your interests, hobby, future plans, and anything else? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. As you mentioned, my name is Demi Olatilo, and I just graduated from Parkland High School. I'm headed off to the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania in the fall, and I'm extremely excited to be there. I am planning on doing a dual concentration in marketing and behavioral economics with uh, minors in film studies and Spanish. We'll see how that goes for four years, and I'm open to really anything that I am passionate about, but I'm really excited for the next four years. Yeah, that's so cool. We're so excited to have you on. Um, So before we get started, we're just going to um, talk about today's episode. So we'll be talking about investments and retirement. So talking about investments, an investment is basically an asset or item that is acquired in order to increase its value and generate income over time. So the goal of that is that you'll get a greater payoff in the future than what you originally put in. So basically, when an individual purchases a good as an investment, the intent is not to consume that good, but rather to use it in the future to create wealth for them. So since it is oriented towards future growth or future income, there is a certain level of risk always associated with investing. An investment may not generate any income or may actually lose its value over time, which is the risk you take when you invest in something. So the common deal with investments is that um, since there is a risk associated with it, people stay away from that and they only seek to save their money, um, which is obviously their choice. But the problem with just saving is that the cash will not grow and rather it may just lose its buying power over time because of inflation. So in order to keep a steady flow of income coming, we need to make investments. And that's where that whole aspect comes in. But um, there's a lot of different types of investments as well. Uh, Bonds, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, stocks, real estate, commodities such as gold, silver, crude oil, cryptocurrency, so much more. And some are riskier than others. Each have its own um, pros and cons. So the overall idea behind investments is that you're trying to put your money towards something that you think will generate more income for you in the future. But the biggest thing about this whole idea is that you need to be able to do your research. Without doing proper research and knowing what you're investing in, you're more likely to lose that money. There's also so many different factors, time, knowledge, and just the overall risk that you're willing to take based on your current financial circumstances, and what you're willing to go to to invest. The one big thing about um, investments as a whole is that you need to be aware of investing scams and frauds because they're so easy to get looped into, but it can be damaging to your finances. Uh, One example is Ponzi schemes, if you've heard of those. And they are basically fraudulent investing scams that promise 
high rates of return with little risk to investors. And that's just a huge red flag because when you put so much money into an investment, there is always risk involved. And if you are trying to get high returns, then you have to put in high risk. And that's not really the case here. So that should be a big red flag. But that's just a little debriefing on investments for all of our listeners here today. Uh, I'm going to pass it on to Jay now to talk about retirement. Yeah, so now we're going to talk about retirement. And although this may seem like it's far in the future, retirement planning is essential because uh, it's a type of investment. And sooner or later, you are going to retire and you're going to need that money later. So retirement planning, it refers to the strategies of saving investment and distributing money meant to sustain oneself during retirement. And there are many like popular investment uh, vehicles like retirement accounts. And some retirement account examples are IRAs and 401ks. Uh, both of these, they allow retirement savers to grow their money with tax benefits. And retirement planning takes into account not only assets and income, but also future liabilities, expenses, and life expectancy. So essentially, retirement planning can be a form of investment. And the most popular forms of retirement planning in the United States are 401ks and IRA. So it is a lifelong process to save and generate money for retirement, but the earlier you start, it's always going to be better. So now diving deeper into the two types of retirement accounts, the first is IRAs. So IRAs are retirement savings accounts with tax benefits, and there are many different types of IRAs that include traditional IRAs, simple IRAs, and Roth IRAs. And money held in an IRA usually can be withdrawn before the age of 59 and a half, and usually occur a tax penalty of about 10% of the amount you withdraw. So moving on to 401ks, a 401k is a qualified retirement account, account, which means it is eligible for special tax benefits as well. And in 401ks, you can invest a portion of your salary up to an annual limit, and your employer may or may not match that amount. So the good thing about 401ks is that your employer has the chance to match the amount that you put into your 401k. So it's basically an incentive for investing in your retirement. And to both of these, there are many pros and cons, such as IRAs, they generally offer more investment choices than 401ks, but they permit contribution levels are much lower. And 401ks, they're also supported by an employer, but IRAs give you much more control over how you invest. So, Damie, what experience do you have in terms of different types of investments and retirement options? Yeah, so I actually have... uh, sort of wet my toes in investing and I I would like to say that I am probably further ahead than most of my peers just simply by the fact that I am interested in the business field and I do like to research stocks in the markets and I personally have uh, a bit over one thousand dollars in stocks and bonds and I'm excited to see where that goes, and I enjoy making my money work for me. I think that's so cool, Um, the fact that you're so young and then still have so much experience with it is something that, honestly, a lot of people I talk to don't really have that experience, so seeing you have it is really just so cool to see. Yeah, definitely. So uh, now we're going to talk about a different type of investing, so the stock market. So in school, the most common form of investment we hear and talk about 
is the stock market. And as you said, you have invested in it yourself. So how do you think this plays a role in what you consider the risk scope and necessity of investments? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in school, we definitely hear about stock market, you know, the market's up or the market's down. We don't hear about it as much as I think we should. But even more, I think in the recent past, we've heard a lot more about cryptocurrency and NFTs. I think there are a lot more people our age that get excited about that. So it's really interesting to see how our peers are looking into that also as forms of investment. Yeah, definitely. As we move on, more opportunities come our way and we make our money differently. Now we have online money making systems that we didn't have a few years ago. Yeah, so moving on, um, just from a high school and college student perspective, how do you think a balance between investing and saving can be achieved? Mm -hmm. It is difficult to (laughs) put away money for both investing and saving, considering how much there is to spend, especially going into college. I'm starting to plan and budget for how much money I can spend, you know, food, clothing, just going out. And it's just being strict with yourself and definitely setting a budget for everyone and making sure that you you hold yourself accountable and put money away and think about your future also. Yeah, for sure. Um, And just for our listeners, our first episode was about saving and budgeting. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and check it out. So uh, coming into your first year in college, uh, you obviously said that you have money in your stocks and bonds. But do you think that this will change in the near future or are you going to invest more or are you going to take out your money and put it into a savings or checking account? How do you think that college is going to impact the way that you uh, manage your finances? Mm -hmm. I'll definitely leave the money that I have in there in there and I hope to add to it as I make money, internships and the like in college and it might not grow, my, my accounts might not grow as much as they will once I get out of college, but I still plan on adding to those so I can save for my future. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, planning ahead and managing your finances is the first step to making sure that you are financially secure for the future. Mm-hmm. So what impact does the whole idea of investing hold on you? Basically, how important or relevant do you think it is? I think it is extremely important and it's not discussed enough in the classroom because investing can really set you up for your financial goals, for living peacefully in your future, in retirement, and even before then, just knowing that you have money available, ready to liquidate, ready to use in the case of an emergency is is really vital. I know retirement is a very long time away from now, but looking ahead, when do you ideally want to start planning for retirement and how? Mm -hmm. Well, as soon as I secure my first full-time job out of college, I plan on establishing a 401k account and adding to that as I work so that that can grow and expound. And then I should be set for retirement when I'm ready. Yeah, definitely. I think it's very important that you start as soon as possible so you can continue to uh, save money in your retirement account and also reap the tax benefits. So you're a really good person to ask this, and especially because we don't really learn about this in school. 
Um, what are ways you recommend to other students and teenagers to learn about investments and retirement to plan out their futures and generate more money to sustain themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are so many resources out there and I personally like to listen to the Marketplace podcast and uh, keep updated on the trends in the market by just reading articles and looking at graphs every now and then, <laughs> kind of nerdy. But um, yeah, so I really think it's up to you to seek out the information because it's all out there. Yeah, Marketplace, oh, marketplace podcast, very relatable. My dad plays it every single morning. Yeah, so what is one single tip, technique, statement uh, do you have to close out to summarize the topics of retirement and investment for everyone listening right now? Mm -hmm. My tip would be to, to envision your life in five years, 10 years, 15 years, and so on, and envision what it can be by you investing today, even if it's a small amount, and think of how you can help yourself and set yourself up for your goals. That's a great tip. And as we approach the end of our segment with you today, is there anything else that you want to talk about regarding personal finance and its importance as a whole? No, I would just like to thank you guys for having me. I think it's a really great show and mission of the show. I also like to do interviews and the like uh, related to personal finance. And I'll just plug my TikTok, which is at Miss D Light, which is just M-I-S-S-D and then the word light, where I like to interview strangers and my friends about financial literacy. So if you're into that, check that out. That's so cool. We'll definitely be checking that out. But thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we are going to take a short break. You are listening to Teen Money Matters with our guest, Dami Olatilo, and we are talking about investments and retirement. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Connect to WDIY with our streaming app. Download for free from the Apple or Google Store and enjoy the great music, news, and programs that you love on the go. The easy-to-use app is where you can listen to WDIY Live or your favorite music shows on demand with our two-week archive feature. Download and share the WDIY app with your friends and family and introduce them to many choices, real voices. Welcome back to Teen Money Matters. We are talking about investing and retirement. We now welcome Professor of Finance at Lehigh University, Dr. Richard Kish. Hello, Dr. Kish. Hello. Welcome to the show, and today we're going to talk about investments and retirement. So before we begin, would you share with the listeners a little bit about you, your education, and position in academia? Okay. Currently, I am a Professor of Finance at Lehigh University. I'm also the co-director of the IBE Undergraduate Honors Program, which is Integrated Business and Engineering, and co-director of the Graduate Program for MFE, which is a Master's in Financial Engineering. I got my undergraduate degree in secondary education mathematics at Clarion University, 
and my MBA and my PhD in finance at the University of Florida. Thank you for that introduction. We really appreciate you joining us today. So, yeah, we'll be talking about investments and retirement. So we'll start off with the first part about investments. And as you know, they're one of the primary ways to generate income today. Given the many different types, could you walk us through a few such as like mutual funds, exchange traded funds and the stock market? Okay, a mutual fund is a way of indirect investment in stock, bonds or futures. And what that means is you pooling your money with other people so that you can get a diversified portfolio. And one of the keys to lowering your risk is having some type of diversification. One of the problems with a mutual fund is that it's only priced once a day. So that if I buy it in the morning, I technically will not have the final price until the end of the day. Same thing if I want to sell it. And that's one of the reasons why an ETF was developed. Very similar to a mutual fund, except they're traded on an exchange just like stocks. Stocks, differing from mutual funds, is a direct investment in a company. That means you are a part owner. If the company does well, you do well. If the company does poorly, you do poorly. You've already talked in some of your previous podcasts about bonds, and your bonds can be from either a corporation or a government entity, the federal government, the municipal or state and local. And then there's also the opportunity to invest in options and futures, which means basically they are a derivative security. That means they derive their value from something else. So you're betting on the movement of an underlying security, whether it goes up or it goes down. And you can take a position to gain if it goes up or gain if it goes down. So now, uh, a really hot topic in today today's world right now is cryptocurrency. And with online transactions, online banking, what do you think the pros and cons are of investing in uh, things like cryptocurrency and online money exchanges? I myself do not invest in cryptocurrencies. It is a digital currency, and it is basically a computer-generated asset. There is nothing backing it except the faith in the blockchain technology which it revolves around. Now, there are booming cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is, of course, the biggest one. And there's a lot of risk involved in that. Uh, During today, Bitcoin was selling for approximately $20,650. It was down about half a percent. And if I go back and look at it over time, it looks like a great investment. Nine years ago, it was only selling for $95. Five years ago, $2,575. Three years ago, $12,407. Two years ago, $9,144. So there was a big drop in that year. But one year ago, it was up to $34,000. And then today it's down to 20000 So you get that big swing in the market. Lots of risk. Yeah, definitely. I think um, with just how it's not really backed by some sort of physical asset, it just makes it so much riskier as well. Um, but that kind of correlates to our next question as well. 
How does risk correlate with the returns of an investment, and how can the risk be minimized as much as possible? Well, there are a number of ways of minimizing risk, but to, to obtain a higher expected return, you must take on higher risk. Just because you take on higher risk does not guarantee you a higher return. It means that if you did the same thing over and over in different marketplaces, you would do better. But sometimes the market goes up, sometimes the market goes down. And therefore, you're taking on a risk for that type of investment. Now, there are ways of mitigating that risk. And the four biggest risks that you have are the company risk. That means the company's doing well or the company's doing poorly. So you can pick and choose companies that will help minimize that risk. Market risk means all companies are going up or all companies are going down. So what's happened in the stock market recently is most of the companies are coming down. So we're basically heading into what we call a bear market. That means the market has dropped 20% during that time period. Hopefully, it'll recover like it has in the past. The third type of risk is opportunity cost. What is the opportunity of using your money for this one investment where you could have used it for another investment? And then the final, final risk is liquidity. I invest my money, and I now need it. How quickly can I get that money back? That's my liquidity risk. In some securities, you're going to get your money relatively easy. It's easy to buy and sell that security. A lot of stocks are easy to buy, so they have a lot of liquidity. But there are some stocks that are rarely traded. Some of those are called are blue chip pink slip stocks. That means they're traded over the counter. So there's a liquidity risk. So if I want to get out of that, I have to find someone that takes my position. So one way of migrating some of those risks is through diversification. And diversification doesn't mean just having a large number of securities in your portfolio. Diversification means that you have to have securities that have different risk-return trade-offs. So if I invest in just the Internet stocks, well, I'm not going to get a lot of diversification because most inter stocks are going to go up and go down together. Very high correlation. Now, you can also offset some of your risk by using some of your derivative products. And a lot of people that are not very fluent in finance probably should stay out of the derivative products. Those are options and futures. Options allow you to lock in a price to buy or sell the underlying security. Futures also allows you to buy and sell at a certain price. The difference between the two is... Options gives you the opportunity, but not the obligation. A futures contract, once I enter into it and I hold it till its maturity, I have to satisfy the end result. The other thing that you can do is you can select your different investments. Now, if I'm in the stock market, there are some stocks that seem to go up slowly over time. Those are usually safer investments. Those are usually what we call blue-chip stocks. Other stocks, you're taking a gamble on them. You're 
betting that in the future their product will be bought by a lot of people. If you look at Tesla, when it first came out, they didn't even have a product. It was the expectations that they would have this electric car in the future. So now they are producing these electric cars. So now they're getting some return from their investment. But that, those early investors took a lot of risk in waiting for that return to come through. And it's paid off. It doesn't always do that. So nowadays, uh, obviously, there are so many investment choices that people could choose from that it's often confusing to what they should invest in and how much they should invest in. So when trying to find a balance between how much you want to invest and how much you want to save, how can someone go about doing this and how can listeners look for resources to provide guidance in this? Okay. When you're talking about investing and savings, you can't separate the two. Because when you're saving, you are investing. So saving is usually you're planning for something in the future and you want a, a certain amount of money to be there. Well, there are different ways of getting that, and you are investing to get to there. The investing, you have to choose, again, what we talked about before, risk versus turn. How much risk are you willing to take to get a higher expected return? So I can go into the stock market. There are some companies that will have lower risk than other companies. So if I want that big trade-off, the big payoff down the road, I have to be willing to take on more risk. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is, how comfortable will I be with the risk that I'm taking on? Now, there are alternatives to stock markets. I could invest in U.S. savings bonds. Uh, their return right now is basically next to nothing. I could put my money into a bank savings account, and again, the current return is basically next to nothing. I could invest my money in a CD, a certificate of deposit, and the longer the term that I lock in my money, the higher the return I'm going to get. But again, the returns are very small at this point in time. Now that interest rates are inching upwards, that may change over the next year. But currently, you're not getting a very big return for locking in your money. Now, the thing is that if I buy a CD, suppose I buy a one-year CD, and tomorrow I say, oh, I need that money. Well, if I take it out now, I'm going to be penalized. If I hold my money for that whole year and don't take it out until maturity, then I don't suffer any consequences. So one thing that goes really hand in hand with everything that you've been talking about, and that's some really awesome information, and I can say I definitely am learning a lot through what you've been saying, is just the fact that um, investing scams are very big allures for people, and that just kind of brings them into a scheme and then later just ends up damaging their finances. A big thing that um, example, exemplifies this type of investing scam is Ponzi schemes. So what are ways to become aware of and identify such schemes? Okay. The, the simplest thing to say to yourself is, if it looks too good to be true, it typically will be not true. Okay? Definitely. So those people that plant all these high expected returns and promises are usually not giving you the full story. It can go all the way back to the 1600s when the 
biggest Ponzi scheme probably was the Dutch tulip bulb bubble. Okay, so people thought they would be buying a certain type of tulip bulb, and the price kept going up. So between 1634 and 1637, prices went up 20-fold. But then, all of a sudden, they dropped almost by 100%. Then you have things like the dot-com bubble through the 80s, I mean the 90s and 2000. So the value at the beginning of 1990s was about 750, and then it went over to 5,000. Then 2002, the stock market just dropped off and lost about 78% of its value. More currently, you could look at the housing bubble. So between 1996 and 2006, over a 10-year period, the values basically doubled. But then back in 2009, 2010, they had about a third of a drop. If you look at China right now, they're going through an extreme drop in their housing market. So these things that promise high returns, and some people get the high returns. If you get out in time, but most people get greedy and they want to hang on forever, then they get caught and the market drops. So what about Bernie Madoff? Bernie Madoff, again, this was one of these people that promised more than he could return. So he basically was using funds from other investors coming in to pay the current investors. But nobody, one of the things that he did was he never told anybody what his investments were. All he did was say, I can guarantee you a certain return. And the people gave him money because he was giving the everybody else that same return. So as long as he brought in more and more investors, he was able to pay the current investors. Well, at some point, that inverted pyramid gets too big. You can't bring in enough people to pay the current investors. And then that's what happened. People basically realized there was no value there. He wasn't investing it. He was basically using other people's money to pretend like he was a great investor. So now, uh, moving on to retirement, uh, what, do you, what are the different options and plans available to prepare for retirement? Okay, there are two basic retirement plans. One is called a defined benefit plan. That means I go to work, and if I work there for, say, 30 years, they will provide me with a defined benefit based upon my salary during that 30-year period. So people that work in education, so uh, public school teachers, your police force, your firefighters, they typically have a defined benefit plan. So they'll say, I will take your last three years of your salary and we'll multiply that by some multiple, say 3%, and then we'll multiply that by the number of years that you worked, and that's how much you're going to get paid for the rest of your life. Those plans are becoming harder and harder to have. Mm -hmm. Defined contribution plan means you put in so much money and your employer will put in so much money. Once your employer puts in their money, they're done. You have to decide where you want to invest it. So that's probably where most people are going to see their retirement plans. 
Now, the nice thing about it is most companies will say they'll have a match. So they'll say, we guarantee a 3% or a 5% or a 6% match. So you want to do whatever the match is, because if it's a 5% match, you put in 5% of your income, they put in 5% of your income, you get a 100% return that first year. You can put in more than your 5%, but they're not going to match it. Mm-hmm. Now, but you have, to, you have to manage that portfolio. So you're going to have to decide, do I want to invest in mutual funds or stocks or bonds? Now, a lot of companies will have this set up so that you are investing in default mutual funds. And a lot of times it is a, a time period mutual fund. We basically invest in a lot of stocks at the early point of your career and less stocks later. More bonds later, more, less bonds earlier. So the risk of return is getting smaller once I get closer to retirement. But you have control over that. You decide what you want to invest in it. So you can go with the default or they give you a portfolio of different options that you can choose from. So I work at Lehigh University, and we have a defined contribution plan. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. Now, the sooner you can start a retirement plan, the better off that you're going to be, because you've already talked about the advantage of interest on interest down the road. Well, it's the same thing. So if I invest today and I make a dollar, that's another dollar I have to invest the next year. And then the next year after that, plus the return on that dollar. So the earlier that you can invest, the better off that you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't, you don't want to take your money out of your retirement, although there are options where in emergencies you can borrow from your retirement plan. You want to try to stay away from that as at all possible. Yeah, and you're saying like earlier the better, which I completely agree with. Um, but what is an optimal timeline for, especially for teenagers and young adults, to start investing and looking at retirement options? I would invest as soon as you possibly can. You can invest in an IRA or a Roth IRA. That's an individual retirement plan. And since most teenagers don't make a whole bunch of money, then you can put as much money into that as you want. There are limits, and it's based upon your income. Mm-hmm. So a regular IRA is after you've already, I mean, before you pay your taxes, so that when you withdraw the money, you have to pay taxes. A Roth IRA means that you put the money in after you've t- taxed, which means that this early age, your tax bracket's about as low as it can get. And then when you accumulate that wealth at the end, you get to take it out without paying taxes on it. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So I think just kind of looking at the overall picture, what value does investing and planning for retirement truly hold in building a more secure and stable financial future? Well, if you don't invest in your retirement, then you have no money when you're getting older. If you're young, uh, you may not have Social Security because the Social Security, sort of like a Ponzi scheme, is taking money from new investors and giving it to older people. So if we don't keep bringing in a lot of new investors, there's not going to be enough money 
to pay everybody. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be relying on Social Security. You need to rely on your own retirement plan. And again, the sooner you can start investing in that, the better off that you're going to be. Mm -hmm. And I think just one more thing to add here is the importance of doing research and just knowing what you're getting yourself into because if you don't really know what you're putting your money towards, then you're more likely to just kind of make judgments that are not really truly factual and um, not just hold yourself to the right level. Yeah, so as we come to the conclusion of this episode, what other resources do you recommend or are you aware of that can help teenagers and young adults concerning investments and retirement? Well, probably one of the Internet uh, sources would be FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. And on their website, they do have a link for teaching young adults and investing. The other one would be Motley Fool, Investing Basics, Stock Market, Retirement, and Personal Finance. Again, that's an Internet site. A good overview book, and it's written on a very simplified level so that even high school students could understand it relatively easy, is Freakonomics by Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubar. And it gives you an overview of the whole financial atmosphere. For those people that want a little bit more uh, background into where our financial system came from, there's a great book on a history of it. It's called Lords of Finance, and it basically talks about how the financial markets in the United States and Great Britain and Europe were all created from nothing. Wow, that sounds really cool. I'm definitely going to check those out. And I can say, um, as someone who has also invested my money into multiple different places, it's really important to start off early and build that over time. But thank you so much, Professor Kish, for joining us today. It was truly an honor having you here for our episode of Teen Money Matters. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you, listeners, for making time for this conversation. You can also find past episodes and other public affairs programming at WDIY.org and on major podcast platforms. We're your host, Jaditya and Sonika Gotari. And this is WDIY 88.1 FM. Tune in next Thursday for more Lehigh Valley discourse, and we'll see you next time on Teen Money Matters. WDIY Lehigh Valley Public Radio. Many choices, real voices.